We're going to be opening up to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Philippians chapter 2. Well, let's pray. Philippians 2, if you missed where we're heading, but we'll pray before we head there. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us. Thank you that you speak to us through your word, Lord God. Thank you that it is alive and active. And Lord, I ask today that your word would penetrate our hearts, Lord God. We don't just want to hear information or some nice words, Lord. I pray for revelation this morning, God, that you would breathe life into these words that I speak. Thank you that your word never returns to you void, but accomplishes the purpose that you have for it, Lord. So, Lord, we open up your word this morning with expectancy. We ask that you would sharpen us, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, Lord, and that you would stir our hearts and our faith this morning, I pray. Deposit something into each and every one of our hearts, I pray, that we would leave this place changed, not the same as we, left, as we entered in, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Philippians 2, verse 3 is where we're starting today. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. We're going to be focusing up to kind of verse 8 today, but verse 9 to 11 is just so good I had to put it in there. That every knee will bow, that he's exalted to the highest place. Every knee would bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's just so much in this passage that we've just read out this morning. So many different areas we could focus on or bring out. But there's a particular thing that I feel the Lord's put on my heart to share this morning. And that's the area of humility. And so... The title of my message today is Humility, the Essential Heart Posture. And so what I feel like the Lord wants to highlight for us today as his people is that it is indeed an essential heart posture. Whether we're wanting to step into more of what God has for us, whether we are wanting to go deeper in our walks with him, whether we're wanting to, to love and serve one another more or really well, whether we want to hear from the Lord more or have his word open up, I believe that humility is an essential posture of our hearts in which to do so. And so 
when we think about humility, unfortunately, I think I'm among friends here this morning when I say this, that it's not just something that happens automatically or very easily sometimes. Is anyone else with me in that? Okay, good. I'm preaching to all of us and myself included this morning. Wouldn't it be nice if there was no need for the instruction, as we see time and time again in Scripture, to be humble, to clothe ourselves with humility? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was no need to warn us against thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to? Have you ever wondered why there are so many references throughout Scripture to humble yourself, to clothe ourselves in humility, to walk humbly before God? And so on. Well, I think obviously it's because there's a need for them to be there. There's something about the human heart, isn't there? There's something about this issue called pride that creeps in so easily. Often uninvited, but often invited. And it has this way of putting me at the center. Us at the center. It often elevates our own needs and sense of self-importance. But there is another way and a higher calling for us, I believe. And if we're to truly live lives that honor the Lord, if we're to truly go deeper in our walk with Him, to love one another well, as we heard last week, to fulfill the, God that, fulfill the call that God has placed on our lives, both individually and for us as a church, I believe we must intentionally cultivate this heart posture of humility. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Who wants, who desires grace in their life from the Lord? I'm sure all of us would say that. I love grace. I desire that. Who desires opposition? No one. That's good. I'm glad no one put their hand up there. He gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. And there's this battle that exists, isn't there, in our hearts? Each and every day, really, between pride and selfishness or self-centeredness. On the other hand, humility and selflessness. There's this battle. And more and more, as we grow in our walks with Jesus, as we mature in our faith, we want to move more and more towards humility and selflessness. But what we are cultivating and feeding will be what comes to the fore. So what is humility? I think that's important just to consider this morning because so often we don't quite grasp the essence of what humility actually is. And certainly the world has got its own views or it's probably not all that desirable in many ways in the world. We're taught to to get ahead, to look out for number one, to promote ourselves. But there is a higher way. And the kingdom calls us to to live opposite to that. But I think even in the church, we see some distorted views of what humility actually is. It's been said that humility is the grace that when you know you have it, you've lost it. It's true, isn't it? When you know, I'm feeling very humble today. I feel like I'm doing well today. Well, you've probably just... Moved a little bit away there from humility of heart. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And I think that's 
That's just a great quote. And I just want to address this this morning because in the, in the church, perhaps, obviously, we, we, we don't really want to promote ourselves or, you know, but we've almost gone the other way in many cases. Because humility is not always putting ourselves down, speaking ill of ourselves, thinking ill of ourselves. Let me ask you this. How are you speaking about yourself? How are you thinking about yourself? What's your attitude about yourself? Because I've heard people, I've heard this in my own life even, talk about themselves, think about themselves in a way that I'm pretty sure they would never do that speaking about someone else that way. Yet so often we demean and diminish who we are, who God has made us to be. And that's not humility. That's not true humility. We can spend a lot of time thinking less of ourselves, how terrible we are, much of a failure, all those things. But actually what we end up doing there is end up thinking a lot about ourselves. Self-demeaning words and thoughts and attitudes actually center on who? Us. Our lack. Our issues. Our incompetence. Our failure. Whereas humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but of ourselves less. And biblically, it describes a humble, a humble person is one who is devoid of all arrogance and self-exaltation and a person who is willingly submitted to God and His will. And I believe this echoes the passage today because we find in it the essence of what humility looks like. And that's kind of where I want to head this morning. Humility looks like submitting ourselves to God alone. It looks like putting aside our focus on self. And it looks like counting others more significant than ourselves. Or we might say, you know, focusing on serving, blessing and building up others. And so this morning, I want to just spend a few moments unpacking what that looks like in our lives, what that looks like for us as a church. But before we delve too much into that, it's important to recognize that when we're talking about humility, desiring to be a people who walk in humility, we must recognize that there is a cost to humility. There is a cost, and that sounds a bit, oh, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But it's an underrated quality. But often the most underrated ones are some of the most important ones in the kingdom. If we think about, for example, faith compared with knowledge. If we think about, you know, in the kingdom it says that we're to serve instead of being served. Talk, we could look at faithfulness, being faithful in the little things instead of just getting ahead. Those things that are underrated are some of the most important ones in the kingdom. But there is a cost, isn't there, to humility. There's a cost to laying aside our focus on self. There is a cost to preferring one another more than ourselves. There is a cost to submitting our hearts and our lives fully to the Lord. But as in uh, the natural, the things that cost the most generally are the things that are most valuable. So if we are people willing to count the cost and choose to walk in the path of humility, 
there is great value and blessing that will flow. So it's important to recognize that. It's important to recognize that there is an example of humility that we must be willing to follow. You know, we're not just called to live a life of humility and God say, oh, there you are on your own, figure it out yourself. No, we have an example to follow as we read about this morning. And it's Jesus. So we're going to get there this morning. And I believe that this is a season where the Lord is looking for humble hearts. Where he's looking for hearts that are more concerned with his glory than our own. Hearts that are submitted to thy will be done, not my will be done. And he's inviting us this morning, I believe, compelling us even to lay down pride and selfishness and walk in humility. So the first thing about being a people who intentionally cultivate that heart attitude or posture of humility There is a call to submit ourselves to God alone. And humility starts with a right recognition and view or perspective on who He is and who we are in light of of who He is. You know, we are called to live under the mighty hand of God. In 1 Peter 5 it says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What a beautiful picture that is, to live under the mighty hand of God. And in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves to God. And this word used here for submit means to get into your proper rank. It's like a military term. To get into the proper rank, coming in under the authority of the Lord. So when we look at the example of Jesus, he was completely surrendered to his Father's will. We've read this morning that He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself. He took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And, you know, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the the darkest night of his soul, when he's just about to go to the cross and pay the highest price, give up his life, paying the ransom for our sin. So that we could have life. He was there, wasn't he? And he's praying in agony. The Bible says that he was sweating blood because he was in anguish of soul. And he says, is there any other way? Yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, this picture of submitting himself to the Lord. Jesus didn't consider his rights, his status, his position, a thing to be grasped, a thing to be held on to. He humbled himself. And submitted to God. And so when we in our own lives think of submitting ourselves to God. Getting into proper rank to use that term. Coming in under his authority. There's something that can make that hard. Isn't there? And I touched on that earlier. It's pride. There's something about the human heart that likes to think. I've got this. I've got this. I don't need help. I can do it. I can sort it out. Or that sense of. No, no, no. It's my way. Or the highway. And this issue, the issue with pride is that it revolves around us and attempts to elevate us above God. That was the issue right from the beginning. It's been a problem, hasn't it? With Satan himself. It wasn't enough for him just to be near God, to be a chief angel in heaven, the, the worship leader of heaven. He wanted the worship himself.
And throughout history, we see that there is this battle for the throne of our hearts. And I believe there is a call for us to take ourselves off the throne of our hearts so that Jesus can have his rightful place. Perhaps the best way to resist pride is to submit to God, to come under his lordship. Because if he has rightful place, we will view him rightly and ourselves rightly in light of who he is, which leads us time and time again to that place of humility. As we read this, every time I read this passage, I'm stirred in my heart, I'm challenged, I'm convicted, I'm humbled by what Jesus has done for me. What else could we do but read that and in response to come again, respond to that incredible act of humility, of love, of grace, to submit ourselves to God alone. There is a call for us to submit ourselves to Him. Secondly, there is a call to lay aside our focus on self. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. Do nothing. The word means nothing, no thing, nothing at all. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. And this, this word for selfish ambition, erethea, means acting for one's own gain. Placing our self-interest ahead of what the Lord declares right or what is good for others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That costs something, doesn't it? That costs us something. It hurts a little bit to think about, doesn't it? What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough. Now, there's a song, I think, that goes, what about me? And unfortunately, that is the soundtrack of the human heart at times, isn't it? What about me? What about me? But there is a call to lay aside this focus upon ourselves. Yes, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're, you know, God's made us well. We're, we're awesome. But let him think that about us, not us about ourselves. What about me? And I think in this world that we live in, you know, in the last 15, or 10, 15 years, there's been this rise of social media and all that kind of stuff. And look, that has its place when it's used properly. But I think what it's brought about is this kind of look at me mentality. Look at me. Here I am. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. I've got to say, that kind of look at me mentality is not all that healthy for us. It's my own opinion. Maybe there's some others here who would say amen to that. Okay, a few of us. Humility is self-forgetfulness as opposed to pride's self-fixation. You might have heard the story about a donkey. It's a silly example, but the donkey that many years ago was in and around Jerusalem go in and out of Jerusalem, one day came home to its stable, full of pride and conceit, strutting around the stables thinking how wonderful it was, boasting to its mother how amazing and incredible it was. The mother said, well, what are you going on about? What's, what's, what's the story? He said, look, 
I rode into Jerusalem today. People started shouting and clapping and laying down palm branches and cloaks before me. It was amazing. People were praising and worshipping me how wonderful I was. Sorry to burst your bubble, darling, said the mother donkey, but they were praising the one that you were carrying, not you. And it's, a, it's a silly example, I know, but so often we can be like that, can't we? We think, oh, doing well today, when really it's the one that we are carrying that should be the one that is seen. Jesus is our supreme example. Let's consider this this morning, that he was, he, as the Lord of all, the eternal Son of God, he laid down his rights, his life. He took the form of a servant. He humbled himself, gave up his life on the cross. There's certainly no selfish ambition or conceit there, is there? Let's just, uh, can we just turn, keep your finger in Philippians, but turn with me to Matthew 18. I want to just highlight this, this call to lay aside our focus on self. And you know, this, this problem of focusing on self is not so new to our modern society. It's been something that's happening for a long time now. Let's read from verse 1 of Matthew 18. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, look at what Jesus had to put up with. We've read about his example this morning, that he humbled himself, that he laid down. You know, as Jesus lived here on earth, he served. He humbled himself. He knew it would cost him everything. And look what he had to put up with, the disciples. They're there. It was obviously a common thing that they argued about. It was mentioned throughout the Gospels. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? That's what they would argue about. How do we position ourselves for a place of prominence, of prestige and power in the kingdom? That's what Jesus had to deal with. And instead of berating them, instead of saying, well, look at me, look what I'm doing and what are you doing? No, he just teaches them. I don't know, perhaps these disciples might have, you know, they're all youngish kind of men. And as a man, knowing what men are like, there was probably some ego there, a bit of competition. Obviously, who's the greatest? They might have had a wager going about which one of them was the greatest. You know, Peter was probably like, look, guys, it's probably me. I'm in the favorite three. I got to go up to Mount of Transfiguration. I've just recently walked on water with Jesus. I've just had my temple tax paid supernaturally for me. Like, um, it's, I'm pretty sure it's me, guys, so don't worry. Who's the greatest? They come, they want to know who the greatest is. Quite a contrast with Jesus, isn't it? As we read in Philippians 2. But Jesus doesn't berate them. He doesn't cut them down. He just, he just teaches them a valuable lesson that is valuable for us today. He says... Unless you turn, become like little children. Unless you turn. The focus of who is the greatest is rooted in selfishness and pride, isn't it? Who's the greatest? 
They're not kingdom values. Jesus was warning them that they're actually heading in a completely different direction away from the kingdom, not towards it. Unless you turn. In Barclay's commentary on this particular passage, he writes this. He says, in life, it is all a question of what man is aiming at. If he is aiming at the fulfillment of personal ambition, the acquisition of personal power, the enjoyment of personal prestige, the exaltation of self, he is aiming precisely the opposite of the kingdom. For to be a citizen of the kingdom means the complete forgetting of self, the spending of self in a life which aims at service, not power. So long as the man considers his own self as the most important thing in, in the world, his back is turned to the kingdom. He must turn around and humble himself. Interesting that phrase, isn't it? Unless you turn. When our focus is on us, it's not on what it should be. It needs to be a turn of our focus so we can focus on Jesus and on those around us. We must get over ourselves. And of course, when we're talking about humility today, I'm not, we're not just called to be doormats, have others walk all over us, take us for granted. There needs to be healthy boundaries in place. I hope you can hear my heart in this. But instead of preoccupation with self, we must look to Jesus as our ex supreme example of what it is to, look in, uh, to walk in humility. He came not to be served, but to serve. He washed his disciples' feet. He came as a, a babe. He, he went to the cross for us. <clears throat> and our goal in life as we journey in faith, as we grow in maturity, is to become more like Jesus. And as we lay aside focus on self, on selfish ambition, we become increasingly Christ-like. And as we are less self-focused and more Christ-focused, we are able to show the world who he is. I want the world to see how great Jesus is. I want the world to see how great Jesus is. Just as Jesus' life, his ministry, his teaching and his sacrifice was all about revealing the Father, was all about showing people who God is. So we are called, I believe, to give off, to spread the aroma and the fragrance of Christ to the world around us. But all too often, instead of the fragrance of Christ being expressed through lives humbly submitted to Him, we let off the stench of self. It's a little bit like, and you have to excuse this example, it's a little bit like a little kid with a dirty nappy. And uh, you'll have to excuse this reference. I have two little boys and every conversation's about poo and butts and all those kind of things. So, But it's like a little kid with a dirty nappy. And parents will recognize this, you know, when you're in a place, you just kind of get that waft, you know? And parents all look around. They have a little, they try and get close to their child, you know. It's not ours, great, fantastic. We don't have to worry about it. But... When you watch a child in that place, often they're just oblivious. They're just doing their thing. They're just playing. They don't care if they're letting off a stench that's 
you know, impacting the environment around them. They're just, they're just going about their stuff. And unfortunately, when we have a focus on ourselves, self-centeredness is a little bit like that. In that, we can be totally oblivious. We can just be kind of doing our thing. Me, myself, and I. What about me? It isn't fair. And then everyone else around us is getting a whiff of that. And sometimes it's not all that pleasant, is it? There's a call for us to lay aside our focus upon ourselves. There is a higher way. Thirdly, this morning, there is a call to count others more significant than ourselves. Once our focus is off ourselves, we can more easily focus on Jesus and on those around us. And it's so important for us as his body and for us as a church family here to grasp the significance of this. All throughout the New Testament, we read time and time again about one another or about others. We don't have time to kind of look at all the references. Just trust me on this. All throughout the New Testament, there's an emphasis on love one another, on serve one another, honor one another. Here today, uh, count others more significant than ourselves. Others. And, you know, there are times when it just suits us better, doesn't it? To not worry about that. When it just is easier to look out for number one. When we just can't be bothered. I'll be honest with you this morning. That's, that's my experience. If we're willing, though, to embrace that call to, in humility, count others more significant than ourselves, to look to the interests of others, imagine what our lives would look like. Imagine what our homes would look like. Imagine what our relationships would look like in our families, with our spouses, with our friends. Imagine what our workplaces might look like. Imagine what our church community could look like if we embraced and grabbed hold of this call to walk in humility and to count others more significant than ourselves. If we really want to grow in humility, one of the best and easiest ways is to start looking for practical and simple ways to bless others, to build others up, to serve, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's, you know, looking for ways practically you can help out your neighbors or your family members or your church family with different things on the roster or something like that. I just want to thank those actually who serve in the life of the church. The rosters, the communion, the morning tea, the worship teams, the prayer teams. Every area, the kids, Sunday school, such a blessing. And let me encourage us in this as we're seeking to walk in humility. Don't just look for ways to serve, to receive praise or a pat on the back. Because the real test of our hearts is when it goes unnoticed or unappreciated. To bring this together this morning, I believe that the Lord is looking for a people who will show the world who He is. Walking in humility, loving and serving one another. 
You know, he doesn't want to have to clash with the other things that we tend to put on the throne of our hearts, mainly ourselves. He wants to be Lord. You know, when pride rears its ugly head in my own life, sometimes subtly, sometimes more overtly, I hate it. It's a source of great annoyance and frustration and disappointment for me. I want to walk in greater humility. I want to walk submitted to the Lord in greater measure. I want to lay aside the focus I can tend to have on myself and consider others more significant. And I want to show that in the way that I live. Because, you know, we can hear a sermon on humility, a far from perfect sermon on humility. And we can hear that and we, oh, great, well, yep, be humble, that's great. We can kind of take away and not actually allow it to impact our hearts. And I want to encourage us this morning to not just gloss over humility. It's far too important a quality for us to just kind of dismiss. Something that we need to embrace and grab a hold of and actually have it impact the way that we live. Have it outwork in how we're living our lives. It needs to be played out in community. So I pray that as a church family, we would desire to be a people of humility, far more concerned with God and His glory than our own, seeking the highest good of those around us, even when it costs us personally. There are, of course, many blessings and benefits that flow to us when we pursue the pathway of humility. The Bible is very clear on that. But I think there's something for us in this for us as a church to embrace individually and corporately, walking humbly before our God, and it actually will help us position ourselves and our hearts for what God is wanting to do and release. So let me challenge you this week, encourage you this week, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Look to your own interests, that's fine but not at the expense of others. Look to the interests of others and follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'd love to just do communion this way this morning, and if we could get... Jeanette, are you happy to just play keys? Um, and that is just... Obviously, we have a table here. I think there's one up the back as well, but I just thought it would be a great opportunity just to all the keys play, just to examine our own hearts. And there's just an invitation to come when you're ready to receive communion. And I just thought it would be, this is on my heart anyway, good to, to kneel just here at the front or up the back, if that's where you get communion from, just to kneel before the Lord, just as a, an outward sign of an inward posture of just wanting to humble yourself before the Lord. It might be that you know, you just want to come before him and ask him for help this morning. To help him to, to help you, sorry, to lay, lay aside pride or selfishness. Or it might be that you're like, Lord, I, I want to walk in humility. And I want to look for ways to, to build up and bless and serve those around me. Would you show me? But I just think it would be good this morning just as we go from here. 
to come and kneel before the Lord. For those that are able to, I recognize that some may not be able to do that. But just to come and humble ourselves afresh, submit ourselves afresh to the Lord. And just uh, allow Him to bring a fresh touch. So, how about we stand? Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for your supreme example of humility. That you humbled yourself. That you became nothing. That you became a servant. Became obedient to death on a cross for us so that we might have life. Lord, let us not gloss over that. Let us not gloss over the significance of your example and of what you have modeled for us, Lord. And let us not dismiss, Lord, that call for us to walk in humility. I pray that we would be a people who intentionally cultivate that heart posture and that heart attitude, Lord. They would be a people who willingly submit and surrender our lives to you. They would be a people who are able to take our eyes off ourselves, Lord God. Help us. We need your help to do that. Help us to be a people who look to the needs of others. We count others more significant than ourselves, Lord. I pray that as we embrace that, Lord, that you would release something sweet beautiful and significant in our midst, Lord, in our lives personally as we do that, but as in our midst here as a church family, God. Lord, we just love you. We want our lives to reflect you and to honor you, Lord God. So just as we bring our service to a close, I, I pray your blessing, Lord, on each and every person. And just as we finish with communion, as we just finish remembering, reminding ourselves of the price that you paid, Lord Jesus. What else could we do but respond in humility and humble ourselves before you? We bless you and we honor you and we give you thanks and praise for who you are and for all you've done, Lord. In your precious name, Jesus.